What's up, everybody? This week on Past Deadline, we will be talking about Michigan's primary election and all the ways you can vote and focusing on a couple of the candidates. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Past Deadline. I'm your host, Andy Loveland. And with me today, I have staff reporter Michael Livingston, editor um, <laughs> Justin Cooper. Associate editor. Associate editor. Yeah. Not editor-in-chief. Nope, not yet. Not there. <laughs> and staff reporter Benjamin Jodway. How is everybody doing? Pretty good. I'm doing excellent now that this primary cover story is over. <laughs> yeah. I feel that. Yeah, I'm pretty it was, good. It was rough work. For Definitely. Sure. Yeah. How much, like, what did you guys have to do to get all of this information for... Um, God, how long ago did we start working on this? Like a week and a half, maybe at most. It was it was a short notice project for sure. Usually, when we plan cover stories, it it can go like months in advance. But this one was kind of put together really quickly. Yeah, uh, we had a a hole that opened up for this week's cover story because uh, some news had broken about the graduate transfer uh, story that was going to be in the cover. But we had to last minute plug it up. So. Yeah, it's kind of a rush, but I'm I'm proud of the way it came together. I mean, everybody got their job done for sure. So yeah. Well, it's definitely I think one of the more important stories that we can do because it's your right to vote, and a lot of people don't know how to vote or what the candidates actually stand for when you're mm-hmm. voting. So, looking at that, Benny, you kind of looked at how. Yeah. How you can actually vote. What are the ways that if people haven't looked into it that you can vote? Well, um, for college students especially, they're going to be registering to vote online most likely, um, which used to be a really hard process to do. I don't even remember it getting advertised like a while ago. But recently it's like all over. You just go to like the Secretary of State page for Michigan and it's right there, register to vote online. You just need a, uh, some kind of government-issued ID. Um and then uh, uh, students often need to like vote absentee because right. they're often not at home or they're going to be on vacation. And for for us at CMU, it's right during the break, which is b- both a blessing and a curse. Right. Um, though it's a bit more of a blessing, so it was just kind of trying to figure out how to um really approach it from the student perspective. Yeah, and like you said, absentee is probably the most common way because if you're not from Mount Pleasant or you don't live here like Mm -hmm. permanently you're going to have to fill out that and that's michigan.gov slash sos is the website yeah and uh, another thing about absentee that was really interesting in this story um absentee voting is going to be a a lot more uh common this year like the number i don't remember the number specifically but they're just huge as far as the absentee ballots they're getting up to 70 percent now like uh, of all the votes or a 70 percent increase increase in 2016 yeah Yeah, i'm not surprised because in in 2018 uh as part of the midterm election uh michigan changed its absentee ballot rules you don't have to provide any reason at all to uh vote absentee anymore you just have to you know, prove it in some kind of way that you actually needed to. So now it's probably the default choice for way more many people. That was actually one of the reasons why I wasn't able to vote in the 2016 elections, and I am going to be able to vote this time around is because that extra process was kind of a time consumer. And I, you know, last year being a freshman, I was slammed with work and I wasn't able to, you know, get around to registering in time. But I'm all registered and set to go this year, and I'm really excited about it. So, 
It's definitely one of those things where, as college students, the more work or roadblocks there are in a situation that doesn't feel pertinent, the mm-hmm. less likely you are to actually exactly. right. like do it. So taking down those roadblocks and actually allowing a variety of people to get their voice heard that might not have, mm-hmm. I think will help in the long run. So I guess for anyone that's listening and doesn't necessarily know what the primary is, yeah, what is it? Sure. <laughs> um, so, so the primary. Let's see if I can. Uh, let's see if I can do this. The primary is choosing the Democratic candidate and the Republican candidate, which mm-hmm. is probably going to be Donald Trump this year, uh, almost certainly. But the Democratic primary, there's like six different candidates at this point, and uh, it's basically just voting between them to see who's going to go up against Donald Trump. I talked to David Rutledge, who is a former Michigan legislator and is now serving as the Griffin Endowed Chair of the Political Science Department. And he kind of put it into perspective uh, for me on the different kinds of ways that uh, a Democratic or Republican candidate is chosen for primary season. In Michigan's case, um, it's a little confusing because a lot of people believe we have what's called an open ballot primary, which is when people can go in and uh, vote in both the Democratic and Republican primaries and not have to be a registered member of that particular political party um, alliteration. And then, uh, (laughs) but in actuality, Michigan has what's called a closed ballot primary, which is when you go in and you choose whether you want to vote in the Democratic or Republican primary and you you don't register to become a member of that party, but you do have to claim when you're there which one you're voting for. And if you vote for one, you cannot vote for the other. That's how it works in Michigan. Yeah, I almost made that mistake while uh, mm-hmm. writing my story. Um, I don't think I said it was open or closed, but like, w- I remember me and Dylan were like panicking, it's, like which one is it? <laughs> it's very, very confusing. Um, you know, on the side of that, you hear most recent news is hearing about caucuses too, which is a completely different method of accumulating uh, delegates, uh, in which uh, members of the political party will meet in small groups and decide. Um, based on that, kind of have many debates about it. But the the uh, there's also semi-closed primaries, sort of caucus primary hybrids. Um, Michigan's case, it can be confusing, but you all you should know is that um, if you want to vote Democrat, if you're typically a Democrat, you vote for the Democratic primary and vice versa. Yeah. That's about the simplest way you can put it. Is there anything else involved in this primary right now? Is like when you're voting on the primary, really the only thing you're doing is selecting a presidential candidate. Uh, well, yeah, you're selecting a candidate, and I mean you're selecting a candidate based on you know the issues that they believe in. So right. a, a lot comes into play when it comes to voting. There's right. a lot of decisions you have to make just in that one decision. So mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Um, and and we, as you're turning the page there, we put um, we put a little bit of information on each uh, candidate in the in the cover story so that people would right. be able to get you know informed a little quickly so yeah there's i mean there's basically eight left or so i mean it started out i mean just a couple weeks ago even before iowa there was like 10 or 12 after the debate last night um (laughs) bloomberg might be out of this (laughs) dude got murdered but (laughs) yeah he he's been getting like hard pressed too i feel like just the last couple of weeks so it's only a matter of time i honestly think before he's done but what go what did you guys go into putting it in these bios about each person so the bios um the bios were written by um, a reporter who's not here named noah wolbrecht and the the way they wound up in the paper is a little bit edited from the way he did it 
So I'm not entirely sure how they decided to represent each candidate right. in here, what went into that um, exact process. From what, what I understand, giving the age of the candidate, which you'll find in the spread, is particularly important because you have uh, someone like Pete Buttigieg in his 30s and you have someone like Sanders in his 70s. And um, depending on what you see as the future of the Democratic political party, is that can affect your vote because... Um, you know, if you want to see a younger face like Buttigieg as the president, that's who you're going to go for. And underneath that, you have their current position, either as a senator, mayor, anything like that. And then underneath that was the uh, the particular issues they're focusing on. Yeah, like they're kind of best known. Mm-hmm. Age seems to be a sticking point for a lot of people, especially in the last election when it was kind of the primary season, Hillary versus Bernie, a lot of people were pointing to his age being so advanced, but it seems sometimes like we pick and choose when we want to say someone's age is going to be a factor or not. For sure. Mm. Um, but what do you see, and all of you guys can kind of give your opinions on this, what do you see as the n- main, maybe one or two issues that Democrats are focusing on going into the primary to try and kind of win this? Um, well, from what I see, it's a lot of argument around... Um, uh, I haven't been watching the uh, debates as much as I'd, I'd, I'd like, but it seemed to be a lot around like climate change and uh, uh, a lot of Medicare for for all. I know in the last yeah. debate that was a very hot button topic. Bloomberg was saying how it was like communism, and, and uh, Sanders had to back it up uh, uh, and stuff. So it's really a sense of like what the future of America is. There are some really progressive candidates here. And um, there are, like, some Democrats you'd expect, like Joe Biden, um, running uh, compared to Sanders and Warren, who have been involved in these uh, legislative projects that have been very progressive uh, and very different from what the U.S. uh, is expected globally to uh, really make. Uh, yeah, I mean, the environment and Medicare for all, I feel like are easily the biggest two issues. But I mean, just looking at what we what we have listed here um, in the bios, I mean, there's just there's stuff that I, I wish was as important as those two things. But those two things like are so important that I'm honestly fine with them dominating the conversation. But like Amy Klobuchar uh, specifically wants to combat the opioid crisis. I'm sure none of them like the opioid crisis, but, you know, it's it's. It's. It doesn't feel like it's always as like front and center as it should be. The same thing with guns; like it, it bubbles up every once in a while and then immediately disappears. Um, yeah. Yeah, I had the great privilege to talk to uh, ma- uh, managing partner and president of Vanguard Public Affairs, T.J. Buchholz, and he is a really great source for me because he provides political commentary to a lot of great news sources, um, ones that everyone's going to recognize and. Um, he kind of put in perspective to me that both Democratic and Republican candidates are going to vote or are going to sway voters using pocketbook based issues. That's anything that involves your wallet, your money. Right. right? So job security, um, health care, social class status. But he raised a really interesting point about Michigan voters specifically where he he said this awesome quote where it's like Michigan Um, on our quarter has all five of the Great Lakes, even though we don't even own two of them. We're very protective 
over our Great Lakes and our environment and our uh, environmental issues. So if a candidate really wants to sway a voter in Michigan, bringing up the protection of the Great Lakes and ecological problems like that, we all feel responsible for the Great Lakes here in Michigan. That's going to sway Michigan voters. uh, And he put that in great perspective for me. That's true. That's an interesting fact because I think it's something that if you're from Michigan, you do subconsciously kind of think about, even if you don't like mm-hmm. openly, you know, go after like climate change mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But it also seems like we've reached a point where most voters, I would say, are for climate change or at least acknowledging climate change exists or at least you would think right that it, we're it definitely point. feels a lot more mainstream than it was even four years ago yeah <laughs> so it's when i was a kid it's interesting that it's still kind of a hot button issue then for each candidate where it's still bubbling up like you said whereas some of these other ones that like opioids and other things like that aren't There's necessarily so many problems yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it's like what goes first mm-hmm. yeah with climate change it's more uh on strategy, it seems like how are you going to do it? Sanders is like, we'll use uh, the one percent money to fund all these projects, mm-hmm. and others are like, no, we'll give these tax breaks to the companies. It's all about the approach when it comes to these right. kinds of environmental stuff. It's interesting to see the extremities that they'll go to sort of convince their uh, their electorate, especially Sanders. Uh, you see him on the debate stage saying, we only have six or seven years to fix this problem before we have irreversible damages. And, uh, you know, some people, you know, some people don't particularly buy into that end of the world approach. Right. I, I don't even know if I do. But um, it's, it's interesting to see how far these candidates will go to sort of uh, – promote a a particular issue to the top of the list of priorities. It's also interesting when you're listening to debates and you see like how a candidate feels about an issue and they're saying, this is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. But as you've seen over the years, if you don't control the Senate or the house as well, Mm -hmm. you can have a million ideas and it's not going to matter. Yeah. It's it's easy to forget that. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, it's why, I mean, in 2018, there's such a push to remember that, these midterm elections matter just as much because oh, yeah. you're going to get this. But obviously this is a year where this is a presidential election. This is going to get the most buzz. Who are we looking at right now in your guys' opinions as the top three candidates? Um, well, I one of the reporters I talked to um, for, my, for my section, I did kind of a, a question and answer with a couple of former uh, CM Life reporters uh, who report in Michigan now just for their expertise. And uh, one of them, uh, named Malachi Barrett, who works for MLive now, um, told me that his impression is that for Michigan, it's pretty much the the same as it is nationally um, in terms of ranking. And um, it's also easy to forget that Bernie Sanders actually won Michigan in 2016 um, narrowly. So, I mean, for me personally, I, I feel like Bernie Sanders is on top right now, and I don't see that you know changing so i don't know that's just my early uh early estimation that is sure to be proven wrong that's what one of my sources said as well um i interviewed political science faculty uh dr jeremiah castle and he is a expert when it comes to political analysis on the empirical level and uh he definitely said usually it's pretty consistent if one candidate wins the state uh in a previous election it's chances are it's going to happen again did any of the sources you guys talked to 
have the fear that it was going to be similar to what happened kind of with Bernie and Hillary, where a bunch of people voted for Bernie in the primaries and then didn't vote for Hillary or vote at all once she beat Bernie? Um, I, I didn't hear anything about that in particular from my sources for this story, but I mean, that's definitely something I've heard of. Um, Dr. There, Castle brought up an interesting point about the, the 2016 elections and how polling plays a factor into that and how, how much you can trust them. Because mm-hmm. if you remember, I don't think there was a poll that existed that said Donald Trump was going to win. Uh, um, absolutely you know. none. But a lot of it has to do, especially with those final polls, how a week and a half before the election, um, then FBI director uh, James Comey uh, said they would open up the investigation in Hillary Clinton's emails. And uh, that last little nudge of news, yeah, I think, could completely turn pl- people's yeah. opinions. And it's only a matter of time if, if more news will come out about each of these candidates that will affect their potential to win. So. Yeah, there's um, I mean, that, that that's specifically about like not not voting for a Democrat, no matter who it is like. Yeah, um, that that's something I've seen bubbling up a lot, especially uh, since Bloomberg joined in, because before I, you would see people saying like, oh, you know, Sanders is great. Warren is great, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I'll really vote for any of them over Trump. And then this like kind of to a lot of people, equally hideous figure comes along mm-hmm. <laughs> and. Uh, people aren't so excited to vote Democrat no matter who anymore. Do you think there's a chance that any of these candidates, like, team up and run for VP? That's interesting. Like, has there been any talk of that? Yeah. You'd think Sanders and Warren would, but the way Warren attacks Sanders, that is not probable yeah. for that. That's interesting. It's almost like assembling a dream team. You know? Yeah. Like, I'd, I'd, love to see, I'd love to see, like the old guy Sanders with Buttigieg as his vice. So he's right. constantly connect. They're all connecting with the young and the old. And that could be so cool, but the, it's so early to tell. You know? Yeah. I mean, you'd have to essentially be down to one or two candidates and then, mm-hmm. then you would kind of see, but I mean, we saw it similarly with when Obama won and adding Hillary as kind of secretary of state where she wasn't a direct political adversary, but mm-hmm. she was someone that I think some people had wanted to run. Mm-hmm. So early on, you know, Iowa had a lot of problems. Did anyone you guys talk to perceive Michigan to have those problems or anything similar to that? We all breathe in. I I talked to the uh, uh, media representative for the uh, Secretary of State, and um, what he focused on was that we have paper ballots, so okay. we won't have electronic issues. We, sh- right. we could have an issue with tabulating, I think. And there were some tabulating machines that broke in the 2018 uh, midterms. Uh, while I was working there uh, uh, as an uh, election person, I there was a lot of talk of that going on. But that stuff can be rendered with just getting people to do it themselves. Yeah. And... Um, this year, the the only issue I could see potentially happening is uh, ab- uh, there there was a push for absentee uh, ballot counting to be yeah. uh, moved up. So they'd start opening the ballots and but putting them into the secret envelopes just so they could take it out easier um, before the election day. Yeah, and there's like talk of like should we do that? It would save time, but now you got people's like 
ballots coming out earlier. What if word gets out and that affects voting? Yada yada yeah. yada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the only real thing um, anybody I talked to said that could make Michigan even approach what happened in Iowa um, would be <coughs> the the side effects of the massively increased absentee um, turnout. Mm-hmm. Because as it stands uh, right now, they can't actually start counting those until 7 a.m. on Election Day. And there's okay. an insane amount of them right. this year. So the the worst that could happen is we have to wait a while. I don't think anybody's expecting that to like cause, like, no one even knows who won Iowa, really, at this point. I don't think anything like that could ca- happen here. Yeah. And Michigan is such an important state in right. this election uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Florida they're all so important and I think uh, the general consensus of Michigan's population would be let's let's get it accurate rather than get it done quick um, when it comes to counting votes you would think typically that would be every state's reaction to, <laughs> sure. to voting it's yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's 20-something years, and we still can't figure out yeah. how to get votes to come. I mean, I guess with Iowa being the, the first one, yeah, that that played a lot into it. Um, they wanted to see who had the head start, you know? Right. But with Sanders demanding a recount, do we still know? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Have they planned for any issues with absentee voting? Uh, just the deadline moving up. I don't—they don't, they don't yeah. see any issues. Okay. Um, they're—, they're Malachi Barrett from MLive told me that there, some people are apparently thinking about using the primary in Michigan as something like a like a test run, and then they'll see like how bad the problem really is, and then maybe work on some changes before uh, the actual the general actual election, election in November. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you guys for not only putting this together but coming on explaining it a little bit. If you are registered to vote, when's the last day you can register to vote? That is a good question. You can register in person on election day. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, I, on I election so. day. But online is 14 days before, so the deadline is going to be uh, mid next week. Yeah, it would be like the 25th or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Okay. So, yeah, if you haven't registered to vote, do so. If you're looking to vote, this is an important step, I think, in the voting process that often gets missed, similar to like midterm elections. But that's all we've got for you today. Pick up a copy of Central Michigan Life. Check us out on social media and at cm-life.com. Thanks for listening.